Hello and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Trey Scott, joined by college basketball's all-time assist king, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, we are on the brink of the Sweet 16. It is Wednesday, March 27th here in Nashville. You excited? Yeah, I'm excited. And this is my favorite section of the tournament, the Sweet 16 and the the Elite Eight. We got some great matchups and, you know, the cream rises to the top. So I, I I enjoy the first weekend. Don't get me wrong, but this is the one I like the most. It was sad getting through like the first weekend without any crazy upsets, but I think it it pays off now that we get some really really good basketball. Before we get going, we're going to preview all these games uh, throughout the the rest of the podcast. We'd love for you guys to take a moment, subscribe to the podcast on on iTunes, leave us a five star review, leave a review if you uh, a comment too. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If you're listening to us on the media player on 247sports.com, hover over that subscribe button. You'll see a slew of icons that you can click on and uh, go to the podcast from there. All right, Jerry. Action tips off Thursday night. And, uh, and I think when, when I look at the West, the West, so the West and the South have action on Thursday. I think Friday is probably the better day. But – Looking at the West, there's, there's some intrigue here. Gonzaga is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida State. The Seminoles beat Gonzaga by 15 last year. Yeah, uh, I immediately thought that spread was a little high. I still am leaning Gonzaga in this game, but it's very easy to see them going down to Florida State. It's, gonna, it's gonna, going to be an intriguing matchup, to I, say the least. Gonzaga has Brandon Clark, who is perhaps – maybe the most efficient player in college basketball. Jerry has more blocked shots this year than missed field goals, and he redshirted last season. He didn't play. So I think maybe Vegas is looking at that as, as the difference, maybe. I mean, yeah, seven and a be. half is big. It seems big to me. Um, I like I like the forward position for Gonzaga in this. I feel like they can score inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think – I think this is a good, maybe not great, but a good defensive team for Gonzaga. I just feel they have the solidity, you know, but it could, if the game turns wild, who knows? Yeah, I think, you know, Leonard Hamilton, I, I, I kind of think that the winner of this game gets to the Final Four out of the West. And we'll see. I, I can tell you're way more excited about Texas Tech versus Michigan, though. Uh, Michigan is a one-and-a-half-point yeah. favorite. And these are the one number was one and two defensive teams in the country. Yeah, I find it a very intriguing matchup for sure. Um, you know, really a pick 'em to me. I kind of like, I favor Texas Tech in it, just slightly. But the defense, they they do a great job defending the three point line. I think that's a very important statistical category. Also, since we're on stats, I like, I really like to look at assist turnover ratio, and then steals because it's about getting the ball <laughs> and then maintaining the ball creating scores and taking away that three-point line is huge you know just threes larger than two I mean teams you have to be able to defend the three-point line Michigan's rolling out kind of a, a lot of guys who are feel like clones of John Beeline teams in yeah. years past Texas Tech will have the best player on the court and Jared Culver, the sophomore, six foot five sophomore, is averaging nineteen points, six and a half rebounds, three point eight assists per game. Mm-hmm. He's catching the eye of NBA scouts. I think for a lot of fans, 
this will be their first look at Jared Culver, Jerry, because Buffalo, Texas Tech was happening at the same time as Duke on Sunday. And right. I doubt it, Texas it Tech watched North, Northern yeah. Kentucky. So tell, tell, tell everyone out there why they should be tuning in to watch Jared Culver and maybe what yeah. your ceiling is for him at the next uh, level. Ex- extremely talented. Uh, has the ability to be an all-star in the NBA. I mean, I expect him to be drafted very high. Yeah, if he plays well here in the next, you know, this weekend, I mean, it's reasonable. He could be a top five pick, you know. Maybe he's going to be top ten, whatever, but I think he's a definite lottery guy. Uh, you can you kind of think Paul George-ish, uh, like a Tobias Harris, you know, a guy with size and length who can handle the ball. He, he can create his own shot, get to the rim. Respectable three-point shooter. Uh, Wilson Chandler has come to my yeah. mind. Um, so he's a versatile. He's versatile defensively, versatile offensively, and he can catch and shoot, but he can get his own shot and he can get to the free throw line. I mean, he's a dynamic player. It'll be fun to watch him. Uh, and then the winner of that, the winner of those two games again will play Saturday with a trip to the Final Four on the line. Jerry, let's move to the South. These are also these games are on Thursday as well. Virginia is an eight and a half point favorite over Oregon. Yeah, that is our biggest that one doesn't spread bother of, me. of this yeah. round. That that one doesn't bother me as much. Uh, my my intuition on this one is Virginia handles them. Still, that's a lot of points, you know. So I don't know how you bet that spread, but what what is I, it? I would lean towards the I would lean towards chalk on that one. Oregon finished fourth in the regular season standings of the worst mm-hmm. Power Five conference in basketball, and yet they've won ten straight. They got a lot of mojo going. What psychologically, like what, Jerry? What was the largest winning streak? Like ten? It was ten a lot for you guys at Lipscomb, or did you guys? Oh, roll at Lipscomb. Off? Oh, we yeah. might roll off twenty or twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> what in, in our best years? Do you kind yeah. of feel invincible during those streaks? Do you feel like oh. the, the basket's the size of a swimming pool. There, there is something to that. Sure, a psychological momentum. Plus, you're just playing well. Um. And when a team puts a streak together, obviously they're not sitting on their laurels. They're not being lazy. You know, they keep pressing. They keep pushing. You know, it's like doubling down. And, I, you know, as far as keys to this game, I think Peyton Pritchard's been playing great, and he's been getting penetration. I can see that being a little more difficult against, against Virginia's team defense. And, you know, Virginia has size. And they got Ty Jerome at point at, with some size. I think he's going to gap Pritchard some not really pressure him and challenge him. I think a lot of teams, they see Peyton Pritchard like, oh, I know that mentality from playing ball. I know a lot of guys see him out there, and they're like, I'm going to just take the ball from this guy. You know, I'm going to own this guy. Because he just he doesn't, he's not the, doesn't pass the airport test. You know, doesn't look that imposing. And then he uses you. You know, he shows you the basketball, then he's crossing over, he gets in the lane. I think the discipline of Virginia's defense – and their size is, is going to be a difference maker. Uh, Tony Wooten's been great. I mean, yeah. Jump out of the gym. He's exciting to watch. He but. was awesome uh, against UC Irvine. It's interesting. Yeah. No one's really talking about Oregon as a Cinderella, and that's because they're not. The Ducks are three year, two years removed from a, fi- a trip yeah. to the Final Four. Uh, and, you know, none of those guys, Dylan Brooks is gone. Tyler Dorsey's gone. Pritchard was on that team, uh, only played, you know, played sparingly. No, he actually played a lot. Uh, he played seven – yeah. Okay. He's uh, had, he's had a really good career. I mean, I had some doubts about him, just size wise, quickness wise, but he is tough. Uh, he's continued to get physically stronger, and he's a very smart player, and he's very good. He's skilled. 
and he gets in the lane and typically makes good decisions. I, I think Virginia will keep him out of the lane. I think as far as games, I'm like if you if you had to not watch a game, that might be Virginia, <laughs> Oregon, and Gonzaga, Maybe. Florida State. It would probably be last on my list. Yeah, I mean, I, I still find it intriguing. I, I mean, I love all these games coming up. But I'm, I, I'm, I would have to agree with you. I'm ex- really excited about Purdue, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee is a one and a half point favorite. That game's also Thursday night. You don't know what you're going to get from the Vols. Jet. Yeah, yeah, they've been a little spotty. Yeah, they've been a little spotty. Um, I'm just too close to the Tennessee thing. Too many Tennessee fans around here always freaking out all the time. I always want them to calm down a little bit. Um, Tennessee, It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a physical game. You talk about two coaches that preach toughness and discipline and um, playing together. I mean, it's going to be – it kind of has an old-school feel to me. Some old school tough, get the ball inside. These teams, and then let Carson Edwards yeah. fire from wherever he can get a shot. These teams played last year, Jerry. Uh, Carson Edwards scored 21 points on two for nine three point shooting in a three point Tennessee win in overtime in the Bahamas. Of course, these two teams aren't really that different now. Uh, Isaac Haas is gone, but Purdue still has Carson Edwards. If you're Rick Barnes, do you. Th- your team came out pretty pretty strong against Iowa. Uh-huh. I mean, do you think they're reeling a bit from from having to to take that game to OT? Or you... I doubt it. I think you move on. I think they're happy they won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if you can get up twenty five, I think we talked about this. You can get down by tw- you know the other team can roll. If you can roll off twenty five, why can't the other team? Uh, I'm sure they have addressed the situation, and the coaches have done some thinking. And they've done some talking, but it's once they tip it off, it's going to be a new game. I think it's like, going to be a battle. I think Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden are kind of going to be keys for them. When those guys are shooting well, when they're playing really oh, well, yeah. as they were against Kentucky Tennessee, and Nashville, great. Tennessee's almost impossible to beat. It's very important, right? Because you figure you're going to get it from Grant Williams. You got to get it from some other places, um, and just defending Carson Edwards—that's probably going to be the key. Big test for Jordan Bone. Oh yeah, I would imagine he would start on him. What's the book but on I think Jordan put, as, a de- as a defender? He's a good defender. Yeah, yeah, good defender. I mean, he has all the tools. And Tennessee in general plays good defense. I think, I think they're spotty on their three point defense because they do tend to overhelp a little. You know, and you got to pick your poison. But they, in their team oriented defense, they I think they'll extend some on the help. And also give up a little penetration, so you got to help. Um, I think in today's game, we're moving. You know, it's not like when we were kids. Get you know, Bobby Knight split the floor in half. You know, you jump to the ball when your man doesn't have it. You get all the way over. That old school thought. Tennessee's a little more like that than a lot of teams. That's how they trained us at Rick Barnes' basketball camp. Well, there you go. Did you go to that? I did go to that. So you know what I'm talking about? The shell drill. (laughs) We did that, Jerry. If your man was on the other side of the three point line. And the ball is on the other yeah. side. You're in the paint. Yeah. That, well, that shows you your age. So I played Trey. too. You're getting Jerry. older. I played too. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and you're in the old era. <laughs> you're back there with me. Yeah. The game's really changed in that regard. It, man, I, it just kills me when I see a guy overextend, helping too much. You know, like a guy. I got you guarded. I'm, I'm not. I'm not beat. But the guy on the wing just, you know, because we've been brought up that way. But it's starting to change now. 
And if he doesn't need help, don't help, man. Stick with your man. Don't leave your man and give up a three. That's what everyone wants. They want to penetrate and kick. Yeah. Don't create the mismatch. Make them create it. You want the wide open look. I've seen a few narratives this week about Rick Barnes' tournament bugaboos. I, I don't know if that's fair or unfair. You know, Rick Barnes, some, he made the Final Four in 2003 at Texas. This Tennessee team is as talented as any he had in Austin. Texas, you know, got – they, they suffered a few upsets. They, you know, in Aust, uh, under Rick Barnes, they lost to LSU with Big Baby and Tyrus Thompson. They lost to Derrick Rose. That was not an upset in the 08. But a lot of people in Austin were sick of Rick Barnes by the end of it saying, he's not taking them to the big dance, or he's not taking them far enough in the big dance. This is his first Sweet 16 trip, I believe, since 2008. And I think if he had lost to Iowa, the Demons would have come out of the closet a little bit more. Thankfully for them, they advanced, but... I don't – I think if a coach has been in the game for so long, Jerry, for like 20 years, it's not really fair to cherry pick and look at, oh, well, in 2007 he had Kevin Durant and lost in the second round. It's like yeah. – I don't know. It's well, like I have a take on this. You know, w- wins and losses matter, obviously, when evaluating a coach. And especially tournament time, you know, that's when wins and losses are, are very important, most important. But I don't know that I, I think at times coaching gets overvalued. It's about how good the team is. Now, coaching has a ton to do with how good the team is, but it's not like, man, I hope coach coaches a good game tonight. You know, that's not really what makes a difference. I hope our team has been getting better all year because coach has done a great job from day one in practice, and he's, he's molded the team or melded it together. And he's making right player personnel decisions. Now, yeah, game coaching, in-game coaching is obviously a factor. But I think it, <clears throat> I think at times we tend to overemphasize that. You know, it's, it's what what has the coach been doing all year? It goes back to the beeline thing. Michigan, just you, you watch them get better, get better, get better, get better. And obviously he's a good game coach and can coach. But it's what they do in September, November. December that you know on and on that lays the groundwork for tournament play is there a big difference between the cream of the crop of coaches like a coach K or Roy Williams or John Calipari and I'm talking about like the nationally known coaches Tom Izzo is there a big difference between them and like Matt Painter like like are you like great question great question Jerry like what's the in-game coaching difference I don't I don't think there's that much difference like a Chris Beard you know is Coach K better coach than Chris Beard? Well, on some levels, it's an obvious you would answer yes, but just as far as coaching acumen and what they do with their team, I don't think – it's not like a big golf. And, but what Coach K and, the, you know, the big-time coaches, they, they, they have a machine rolling. They, coach K typically has the number one or number two recruiting class. Um, Duke has this prestige right now. You know, Coach K has a machine. He has ultimate respect. Players don't come to Duke, and, you know, they know their place. Everyone gets in line with Coach K or you get out. And so over time, he has that built up, and he deserves that. He helped create that program, um, that momentum. So we got to give these other coaches time. And coaching at Purdue is not the same as coaching at Duke. But there are a lot of great coaches. Yeah. There are a lot. Of, and that's part – you know, that feeds into my argument of coaching I think sometimes gets overvalued 
because there's a lot of really good coaches. Like Dana Altman, is, is he not one of the best? You know, so there's a, there's a, you look at what we're looking at here now, you know, in this Sweet 16. Got some great coaches. Some really good coaches. Yes. Speaking of Duke, two great coaches, Coach yes. K. Buzz Williams. My boy Buzz. Buzz Williams. We'll Buzz talk guy. about Buzz Williams later because we are going to get into a little bit of the coaching carousel. Duke versus Virginia Tech on Friday night in Washington, D.C. Duke is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Virginia Tech beat Duke in Blacksburg this season. No Zion, but Virginia Tech did not have Justin Robinson. Correct. Yeah, that, that seems high to me, man. If I was laying money down, I would have to go with Virginia Tech. My, to cover. My crystal ball – to cover. My crystal ball is like, you know, I see Duke winning by three, something like that. Um, I'm less scared would of be this my, That would Duke. be my guess. But I, I think it's a tough matchup for Duke. They're, Virginia Tech's guards are going to put extreme pressure. Like Cam Reddish and uh, Barrett, we're going to really see if they can hunker down defensively and guard the quickness of Virginia Tech. Now, Blackshear inside – had a really great game against Duke. He did. He had when they beat him. Points. Now you know. So we'll see the difference Zion being out there makes. I don't know. I, I, I think I don't know. Zion might guard him some if he's at the five, but just Zion's presence and his weak side help. You know, people are aware of him in the paint when they get the ball. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how the addition of those players who weren't there the first time how they impact this game. Duke is obviously one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country, number 329. Virginia Tech is ninth in the country, 39.5%. Mm-hmm. Duke does not want to get in the shootout with these guys. Well, Duke's got to guard them. <clears throat> and, you know, but I never think Duke's good on defense this year. But when I look at their numbers, man, they're high in steals. Um, they do a good job defending the three-point line. Um, it's kind of interesting – you know, maybe they're better than – I think they're like a high-risk, high-reward type defense. You know, Zion's always trying to get steals. Barrett, yes, Barrett will do the same. You know, they'll take some chances defensively. But, yeah, they are really – they will really have – they will be challenged defensively by Virginia Tech. And then one of the things we're watching, of course, is how, how does Virginia Tech defend Trey Jones. Uh, he was one for four from the three-point line against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. Obviously, one for eight against UCF. You had some great stuff on that, Jerry. I encourage everyone to go check out Monday's podcast to listen to that. R.J. Barrett against Virginia Tech last time was one for six. Cam was actually three for six from three. This was when it was, you know, the big three was down to two, and it was the rest of the guys kind of saying, okay, we're just going to play hero hero ball and figure this out uh, without Zion. And obviously, yeah, Vir- it's going to be different. Yeah, Virginia Tech caught him at the right time. This was when Alex O'Connell was playing, Jerry. Yeah, he had 20 minutes in Blacksburg. And he won't see the court. I think, yeah, I doubt he'll see the court because Goldwire. I think Goldwire will play a lot. Coach K made they'll need him Coach K made quite a few personnel adjustments in the past few weeks. No, no more, ba- uh, no more Jack White. Obviously, Joey Baker's red shirt was burned. We haven't seen him since. And no, Alex O'Connell's is, not playing. But I Goldwire, think, I think it's worth talking about. It, I mean, that shows great flexibility as a coach. Now you can criticize him, oh, you know, the Baker's red shirt. red shirt. That's just. I don't want to address that right now, but that is an issue of its own, but, man, he was searching. <laughs> and he's found the best answer, it looks like, in, in Goldwire, and he's sparked them. And, you know, maybe he's a big reason why they've been better defensively. But I do find that fascinating. A, a guy like Coach K who's been coaching so long, you'd think he's always set in his ways. Man, innovative thinker, trying to find the right combination – and willing to take chances to try to get it right. Goldwire 
He's only scored uh, six points in the last two games, but he's hit two big threes. Yeah. He had a big three against UCF. He's uh he's got two steals against UCF. He's number th- uh, former three star recruit. So when we we've talked, we've been we've been critical, and I think rightfully so, on Duke's you know post Big Four depth. Uh, but Goldwire, Coach K is uh, ringing some valuable minutes out of him. We well, will yeah. see. Well, it he's works. It works because they don't need him to score. You know, <laughs> they're fine with that. But he gives them something special defensively. He's a very good, solid, tough defender, and he plays within himself offensively. He's not making a bunch of mistakes, turning the ball over. He's strong with the basketball. And then he seems to have the kahunas Mm -hmm. to make that one big shot. You know, if he gets pressed into that situation, the stage does not look too big for him. Also in D.C., LSU without Michigan State. Michigan State is a six-point favorite, which is striking – some people think LSU is actually better than Michigan State, period. And then LSU plays close games. It's hard to – yeah. like most of their losses are within six or less. Yeah, because they're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in that camp that if I were handicapping the game, uh, just how I think it's going to end up, I, I would put LSU as a favorite. I'll maybe have my two-point favorite. So, what I like you, the underdog in this one. What gets you more excited, Duke versus LSU or Duke versus Michigan State? Oh, I don't know. It's probably even. I mean, maybe this LSU thing just in and of itself is interesting. I think so. So that would be an interesting matchup. But anytime Duke plays Michigan State, you know, that's just a classic kind of matchup in, in my head. And two of the greatest coaches, Izzo and Coach K, going at it. So they, they both get me excited in different ways. I'm excited about the Tremont Waters Cassius Winston head to head matchup. We've talked oh, about Oh, yeah. That. See, I think if. if if LSU, I mean, and I know everyone probably tries to do this, but it, you've got to attack the head of the snake, and that is Cassius Winston. If they can make the other players have to make the plays, which I think is what they're going to try to do. I mean, I think they're so we'll Tremont's like a good sort of wash, you know, and he's a steals guy. He's one of the steals leaders in the country. But I like Skylar Mays and Javante Smart. I like their matchups against the uh, – the other Michigan State guards. You said attack the head of the snake as if so – do you want Cassius win- – like what, what, what I want to I want to keep it out of his hands. Okay. Easier said than done. But I, I would really, really work for him not to get the basketball. Um, maybe even run a guy at him every once in a while. You know, try to get the ball out of his hands and then not let him get it back. Easier said than done. But, I mean, obviously that seems to be – the right strategy, then I think, you know, Tremont, I think, will pick his spots to try to get his steals, you know, but most steals come off the ball if we think about basketball. It's not that you don't see many times where I just pick you and take the ball. These guys are good dribblers, you know, so it's off the ball stuff. And, um, you know, I'm not so sure Tremont maybe doesn't even – he might not even be the guy to guard him. You know, they might use one of their other bigger def- bigger guards to defend. You Cassius. described Michigan State well on Monday. You were like, not a script team, star point guard, classic Tom Izzo. And they'll we're, pound it inside. We're going to see, like, what sort of role players from Michigan State step up. Matt McQuaid, obviously one of the best three-point shooters in the country. Uh-huh. He could have a big game. Jerry, to the Midwest, to Kansas City. North Carolina, this is the game I am most excited about. North Carolina, five-point favorite. Auburn, this is like, this is going to be fast, fun, a lot of threes. Hold on to your seats. I agree. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be a track meet. It's going to be fun. Um, I think Auburn, 
in my, I, I like what I'm hearing from Bruce Pearl. If I'm an Auburn fan, He's, we're going to play fast. I know they play fast. We play fast. We're going to do what we do. I think you try to play faster, faster if you're Auburn. I think you up it defensively. North Carolina is a very good passing team. As a team, they really pass the ball well. I think they're right at the top in assists per game in the NCAA. You got to make them dribble, get into them, deny passes, make them put the ball on the floor, make it a chaotic game. I think the faster, the more chaotic the game, uh, advantage Auburn. I think if the game slows down, uh, you know, I like the size and just team play of North Carolina. So Kobe White can be he can turn. He can be a uh, a little bit of a turnover prone point guard. Gonna, well, it could be interesting. interesting. I mean, they they turned Kansas over. I mean, you look at Auburn. They're turning everyone over. You know, during this streak Auburn's been on, Auburn has had a great assist turnover ratio for themselves and their opponents. They flipped it. You know, their opponents are turning the ball over more. You know, more turnovers than they are um, having assists. So I, I think it's all about defensive pressure. From Auburn, and I don't think they're going to mess around much on offense. Just push it up and take that first good shot. My key of the game, Auburn is not a good defensive rebounding team. Naz Little, yeah. one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. Uh, that's a great analysis. Yeah, teams typically that play such aggressive defense are not as good rebounders. They tend to be in weaker positions, you know, to rebound. Yeah. All right. Also in the, mid- also in the Midwest, Houston versus Kentucky. Kentucky is a three-point favorite. We are still unsure if star big man P.J. Washington will play. He had the cast removed. We'll see. It's a state secret until until the game <laughs> tips Friday night in Kansas City. I I don't know if Houston – I mean, I, I kind of think Houston might beat them with P.J. Washington. Houston's oh, Houston can play. so well. Oh, my gosh. Houston's very, very good. Um, back to the three-point line. They do a great job defending that. They're going to get after Kentucky. Um, I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm really excited about this matchup. Yeah. Uh, which is your which game are you most excited about? What's number one on Jerry uh, Myers? Number Big one, Board? man, it's tough. Um, it might be Houston, Kentucky. Okay. I, you know, Mine's I mean, Auburn, it's, UNC. So we should really just drive. To, let's drive to Kansas City. Let's just do that. <laughs> it's a day's drive. You know, this Can- is a this is going to be a good segue for me. I'm going to be proud of myself here. Kentucky fans in our office are excited about. The possible distraction of Kelvin Sampson <laughs> looking ahead to the Arkansas job he's supposed to take. Yeah. So let's segue into a little bit, Jerry, as we wind down. Uh-huh. Let's segue a bit into uh, the coaching carousel. Arkansas fires Mike Anderson. That's on Tuesday. Kelvin Sampson's support, like the the guy, and that's that's apparently as locked and loaded to happen as Fred Hoiberg to Nebraska has been in the last three months. So you can go ahead and assume that might happen. Kelvin Sampson has done a really, really good job at Houston, obviously has a, a history at uh, Indiana and Oklahoma. Why, uh-huh. w- why would he be a good fit at Arkansas? Well, he's a really good coach and around the, you know, been around that area. Um, it would be an upgrade. You know, it seems like the SEC keeps adding you know, yes. better coaches, and I, th- I do believe in general SEC is typically under, underrated as a basketball conference just because the football hype, you know. But, um, man, he can coach. And, you know, you assume he's going to do a great job there. You know, I don't know if there's anything, like, special that makes him the right fit. But um, 
Well, I, it totally makes sense to me. The SECA does have a chance to really restock its coaching talent. They're probably going to lose Will Wade, which is, is a blow, and we'll see what, what remains of the LSU program after whatever happens there. Right. Vanderbilt has an opening. You kind of like Johnny Dawkins at Well, UCF, it just makes sense to me. You know, he made a big splash in that game against Duke. Obviously, Did he bring his son? <laughs> That's right. His son's got one more year, right? Yeah. Um, well, that would likely happen. And um, he, you know, just his time at Duke, academic schools, it, you know, just it would make sense to me. I'm, you know, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have not heard any inside intel or anything like that, but it just kind of makes sense. Apparently at Ar- or at Alabama, uh, I'm reading Pete Thamel at Yahoo.com right now. Uh-huh. Uh, th- this seems like the most mysterious one. Avery Johnson was like not – they were not planning on firing him. Greg Byrne was not f- planning on this, this buyout uh, coming to fruition. But Pete Thamel suggests uh, Thad Mata or Mick Cronin. Looks like Alabama oh, doesn't want to take a risk on an NBA guy again. You laid out – Avery Johnson's shortcomings really, really. Yeah, well I don't like. Ago. I don't. I'm not into the NBA guy to the college game, and, and vice versa. Typically, I mean, they're, yeah. they're different games. You know, it's just coach different. Uh, the players are different. Players in the NBA are capable of stuff. College guys aren't. College, it's you know, it's just a different thing. And you thought Avery Johnson might have spent too much time self scouting, or not? Well, scouting? I threw that out there. I mean, it just that's how it looks like they play, and that and that's a. That's kind of a pro thing, you know. The, 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 you're coaching professionals, right? So you don't – and they don't want to be micromanaged and monitored and motivated. It's more – the coaching is just more like this is what we got to do. You know, here, let's break down film, go back to your room. You know, they're probably giving them – or they're sending them emails. We don't need to have video a team building session. Yet. Yeah, and that's where it's – you know, there's there's a difference there. Um, yeah. Thad Mata, his name seems to come up a lot, and I have not heard Cronin, but that's an interesting one. Obviously, he can he sure. can really coach. Yeah, Texas A and M, another one. Well, I hear Patino. Oh, probably. <laughs> well, that's what the Alabama be, fans want. I think I think they have a contingent that wants that because you know it'd be like him and Saban. Oh, <laughs> they wanted Steve Prom, but he signed an extension with Iowa. Yeah, State. yeah, that's what I was hearing. Prom talk. You, you still never know, but, yeah, it looks like he'd be sticking. Yeah. Uh, funny that Iowa State locked that down, uh, which kind of, you know, as, as Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg goes to Nebraska. Right. Nebraska now, I, I think I might move to Lincoln because over this is not a football podcast, but I'm obsessed with Scott Frost, the football coach. Oh, are you? And now they have Fred Hoiberg. What, what, awesome. is, what is that obsession? Yeah, just a fun offense, cool okay, guy. Good. You think, he's, like you a, think he's going to get it done? Oh, he's absolutely going to get it done. <laughs> and I think Fred Hoiberg will get it done, too. He, I think Fred Hoiberg is immediately one of the top coaches in college basketball again. So that's going to be fun. Uh, might go spend a few weeks up in Lincoln next fall. Texas A&M, Billy Kennedy's out. Buzz Williams, former assistant in College Station. He's got a big Sweet 16 game with Duke right now, but I think once the Hokies season ends, A&M's going to make a very legitimate and probably successful push for him. That's, yeah, and this has sort of been in the works, it seems like, for years and kind of expected to happen. It's kind of known Buzz would love to go back to Texas, and I'm sure they A&M can offer him a hefty contract. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting as we have – I mean, we have a slew of jobs open, and we also have a a lack of, like – like, if like there's not – like, Chris Beard seems like the most eligible, like, I don't, I'm not – 
like most eligible up and coming coach, but I don't think he's leaving Texas Tech. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see like Eric yeah. Musselman in Nevada could get poached. Someone might go after Jason Kidd, whether that's Cal or UCLA. It's gonna be an interesting offseason of, co- of coaching transition. But I agree. Apparently, of course, right now all of our focus is on the Sweet Sixteen and the Elite Eight. It should be, I think, the Sweet Sixteen slate looks like the best in years. So I'm not upset that we didn't have any upsets in round one. Uh, Jerry, any any parting thoughts as we uh, as we wrap this thing up? Well, um, the team. You still feel good about Carolina winning it all? Uh, as good as any other team, yeah. you know. I'm worried about Auburn as far as that goes. I, you know, man, I, I I'm not wed to my bracket, but um, man, I, I'll leave it with this. Um, one time I was upset as a kid. I think I'd went. I think we were. I'd gone with my dad to go recruiting like on a little road trip, he was recruiting. I was a little kid. And, um, you know, I got into the game. I picked a team. You know, it's probably the team of the kid he was recruiting. And they lost a tough one. And and I'm just – it's kid daddy stuff because I'm just on an emotional level into the game. You know, my dad's just sitting there recruiting. And in the car riding back, I said, I said man, they should have won that game. And my my dad said, Jerry, the team that should have won is always the team that does win. So that's what I'm going with. Whoever wins is the team that should win. Good stuff. We'll ride out on that. It's always a pleasure, Jerry. Uh, we'll be back on Monday previewing the final four. It's going to happen fast. Thanks, guys, for joining the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. See you soon.